Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brocco and I'm joined this evening by Steve Carroll. Hi, Steve. Evening. Um, if you hear any oohs or ahs during this uh, recording, uh, Swans pre-season friendly against uh, Plymouth Argyles going on at the moment. So we're watching that as it's going. At the moment it's 65 minutes, 1-0 to Swans after a Joel Pirot goal. Um, but uh, yeah, if anything else happens in the meantime, that's exactly um, why we are going to be reacting. So apologies in advance for that. Um, since the last podcast, there's been a bit of movement, Steve. I think we've had uh, a, a big sale, uh, probably the biggest in quite some time for the Swans, probably since uh, Graham Potter left and we had the you know, the sales of uh, McBurney and Dan James and stuff like that. Um, and this one, again, brings in vital funds for the club in uh, Flynn Downs going to West Ham. Yeah, it seemed to happen quite quickly, really, didn't it? I know there was obviously links of of Downs potentially moving on. It, it sounded like uh, Crystal Palace was going to be the uh, the club that he was going to move on to. But um, from what I can gather, it sounded like Downs was at their training ground and then West Ham decided to show interest. Obviously, Downs is a West Ham supporter and, and decided that uh, that would be the move for him. Probably is the better move based on you know the fact that West Ham did have a more successful season last year. So, But it did seem to happen very quick. Um, but... You know, at the end of the day, I think we've we've got good money for Downs. He, he was a good player for us last season. It's obviously it is a shame to lose him, but at the same time, we do know what the financial situation of the club is like. So, I think we've got to be realistic and say that we couldn't really turn it down, unfortunately. But he goes with uh, with warm wishes, I think, doesn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think what it, what benefited us was that obviously Crystal Palace interest was real, and they were they were very keen to sign him. And um, when West Ham showed their interest last minute, the the ended up the base fee ended up jumping a couple of million from what it was rumored to be, um, and it gave us a bit of a the, the sort of breathing space we were hoping to get if we had to get rid of one of our big assets. We talked last season. We talked earlier in the summer about the fact that if we have to sell these players, we have to make sure we don't do what we've done previously with some sell sales and sell them under value. And we talked about Joe Roden before and the likes of that. Because we know, and the world knows, that we need money to keep functioning. We need to make a sale every year of X amount of money, whatever. And that can sometimes play against you. Or it can quite often play against you, can't it? Where teams know that you have to sell, so you're going to sell whatever happens. Um, so in the end, uh, the figure of £9 million pounds, uh, potentially rising to £12 million, it doesn't look bad, considering we had him for one and a half million a year ago, um, and he's only, of course, spent a year down here. Um, that is the sort of turnaround that the Swans. That's what you. That's the dream, isn't it, for a club like us, where we need to bring a player in. We have to find those rough diamonds, really, don't we? And Flynn Downs was one of those. He had a mixed time at Ipswich. He was one of those ones who showed all the promise. Was obviously going to a lot to achieve in his career. But he did have that falling out and end about the squad towards the tail end of his time at the club. Um, we signed a player who was known for being a, maybe a little bit temperamental, maybe not necessarily you know, following um, orders from management and stuff like that. He, I think it was Southampton he was linked with leaving for when he was at Ipswich. And I think that was the falling out when he wasn't allowed to go there. Um, so that was all in the past. We signed him. He's had a fantastic season and um, really caught the eye of a lot of people and of course caught the eye of Crystal Palace and West Ham and so in the end um, 
think, Steve, what happened was it was a, one of those rare situations where it was a transfer that suited everyone. Because, of course, Swansea got good money for a player they'd only owned 12 months. Um, Ipswich, we understand, had a decent sell-on fee for him. So they're going to be happy that he's gone for good money as well. Um, West Ham have got a great prospect. He's very young. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's very talented. And for the money you're talking in the Premier League... It's not a massive outlay for them when they regularly, you regularly see Premier League clubs we take a risk on a twenty-five million pound signing from France and stuff like that, and they don't work out and stuff. So this is relatively low risk for them, and of course Flynn Downs ends up playing in the Premier League. So all things considered, would it be fair to say everyone's happy? I think so, and obviously you've missed out the fact that the Swans did have someone lined up to come in to replace him, which yeah, we will, we were going to come which, to which, which, which we will come on to <laughs> after that as well, but um. Yeah, I think it does work for everyone. Obviously, everybody wants to play at the highest level that they can. And obviously, Downs has grown up supporting West Ham, so that will give him that that extra motivation as well. And like I say, I mean, we've we've made good money. Ipswich have have made a few quid out of it, um, and you know it, it helps to balance the books to a point. And you know, let, let's look at it in the way of if you remember when Dan James got sold, we knew we needed to sell. We've had a reasonable sale early now in the window because obviously there's a long way to go still. We're talking six or seven weeks yet, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And that sort of takes the pressure off in terms of if we get to deadline day, Absolutely. which has been a disaster for us a few times in recent years. And you just fear, don't you, that we cave in Joe Roden being the, the probably the best example in the more recent years. Obviously, you're, you're never going to don't top... Don't talk about the one. Don't yeah, talk about that one. Yeah, you're <laughs> never going to top the two that immediately followed relegation, are you? But I think... It did seem like after that we improved, but then we had the Roden one that, you know, <clears throat> that gave us that inclination that you know we're still capable of folding like a pack of cards on deadline day. But you know, if if a bid comes in for anybody else now, you'd like to think that not necessarily that we're that we won't accept one, but at the same time we can afford to bat away derisory offers and even reasonable offers, and that anyone else that goes, it should be for good money. Um, so that is another thing that's encouraging, really, isn't it? We do not yeah. want to be this soft touch because it must have played on Spurs' mind, especially, I would say, when Roden went there, that this lot have folded in the past. Obviously, we had a former chairman well, that the was then working, was that, working yeah. there as well that would have known this. And, yeah, it's, it went the way that it did and we he's got seen, a derisory fee. He's so, seen every financial balance sheet at the club. Yeah. So he yeah. knew exactly what he had to offer. Let, to let's get. just hope if Roden does go somewhere else this summer that there's a sell-on clause because that's something that hasn't been mentioned that's yet. That's true. That could be, there could be a couple of quid in there for that. Hope, hopefully there is. But, you know, it's. I think it is something that suits everybody ultimately with Downs. So, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll do well. I think, as I said, we all wish him well, don't we? So, mm. you know, and that, you know, we, we do have that replacement as well, don't we? So let's come on to that replacement then, seeing as we've linked it so nicely. Um, this one's been a long time coming, and I'm not just talking about since we um, since we knew that Russell Martin was keen on him um, some months ago. This has been years in the pipeline. This has been when he was just before he was going away for Wales with the Euros uh, when he was leaving Liverpool. I mean, and this is something that should have happened years ago, Steve. Finally, it has happened. I know we can see with a massive grin on your face, you think it's long overdue as well, but. Um, Welcome home, Joe Allen. Yeah, um, as you say, it should have happened a long time ago. I think we've all said it numerous times in this podcast that what happened six years ago was ridiculous. This club has been obsessed with ex-players, yet the one ex-player and the one ex-manager in Brendan Rodgers were the two that we didn't go for. 
So that's the strange things. They were they were the ones that were on the table, obviously. And I think obviously it's, it's frustrating because you did sense that we did want Joe Allen deep down, but we just didn't go for it, did we? I mean, we had our chance, but we don't want to go too far into the past with this. But you know, I think it's been frustrating for him as well because I think it's obvious that he wanted to come back. But at the same time, what can you do? I mean, once we were relegated out of the Prem, you're never going to buy him. So, I but I did sense that this summer we would get a chance. I thought it for a while. A good few months ago, I was thinking he's out of contract. Whatever happens, he's going to have to take a significant wage reduction. And we now have a manager that wants to play the Swansea way, which suits Joe Allen. So it did all point to it being a realistic chance to bring him in again and Obviously, when Russell Martin did reveal after the last game of the season that he was very keen to do this, um, that it seemed realistic. And, you know, as soon as Downs went, I think everything was probably already agreed by that point. Just so that we're just waiting for the opportunity to, to bring him in because obviously we were quite well stacked in midfield and we probably didn't want to do it at that point, did we? But as soon as Downs had gone, there was a, there was a space in the squad and I think it was quite straightforward from there, wasn't it, luckily? Yeah, I think... I, I think- Gosh, we, we we may never know. We may know because he, he's joined the club now. There may be more uh, to come on, on how it came about. But it did feel like for a while that Joe Allen and I don't doubt for a second that Stoke, even though they would have offered him reduced terms, would probably financially still have been better than what we could offer um, because they are a club that are bankrolled by the owners of Bet365. So they, they, they got this bottomless pit of money that we've seen since they come down the Premier League. They've massively underachieved the money they spend the the wages to turn over uh, the, the, the wages to income turnover isn't great and their balance sheet looks shocking but we always see that on the the price of football they always come at the top of like how much they're uh, how much they're spending um but it's affordable because they, their owners are um are, are, are happy to fund it and they've got the money behind them to do so so in that case i think he's made a decision um that is out of love because that's that's what I'm getting to there. Joe Allen's made a decision that he's not going to say no to Stoke. Bearing this itself was a few weeks ago when he said no to Stoke as uh, Stoke's new deal, and he was pretty much sitting there then waiting as a uh, as an unemployed player, ready to um, you know ready to to see where the future lies. He's obviously gone on holiday, but it, you do feel like in between that period, you know the Swans have obviously already spoken to him and said, look. Hang on, we you know we are gonna have to do something this summer. We've got the likes of Liam Walsh we'll talk to you about in a bit, Jay Fulton, uh, Corey Smith just left and stuff like that. But we're gonna have to move players on here who aren't featuring, um, and uh, there will have to be a space for someone we do want, and then you fit the bill. Um, and it did feel like then it was just a case of waiting for Downs to materialise. But um, you know it was it was almost like. The thing that may may or may not ever happen, wasn't it? Because it just seemed to drag on for ages. Where the Allen story was, you know, he's he, he, is he going to eventually end up with the Swans? And and obviously when Downs went, Steve, it was uh, it was all a formality, and it happened quite quick. Yeah, I do think that this summer realistically probably was the last chance. Oh yeah, for Joe Allen to come back. I mean, the fact that he was out of contract and. Like I said, we had a manager that wanted to play a certain way. I'd, you know, you'd have thought if he didn't come here, there would have been a two-year contract on offer somewhere else. Mm. And then you just think the chance probably would have gone for good then. So, you know, I am really pleased that it, it's happened. I mean, there's, there's no doubt whatsoever that Joe Allen is 
pretty much I'm assuming was desperate to come back here because I mean, if you listen to him on the Owain Tudor Jones podcast a while back, he was talking about how the, the January before he left Liverpool, he made the Swans aware that mm. he would likely be leaving and that he wanted to come back if there was an option to. Um, and I think he said similar on the Feast of Football with Ellis James and he also said that Swansea would never be fully off the table. So, look, I think... It's a move that everybody's ideally wanted, isn't it? Yeah. And it is, you know, I was delighted to see it because, you know, I still think he's more than good enough for this club. And that's what it all really boils down to. I mean, sentiment in football, it can be nice on occasions and stuff. But at the same time, I don't think this is a sentimental sign. It's got that sentimentalness to it, to a point. But that isn't why we've signed him. We've signed him because he's still good enough. He suits the club. He really wants to be here. He's a great character. I can't think of a negative with this sign-in. It does feel like it really should work out well for us. And, um, you know, we, we should all be really pleased with it. I think if you're not pleased, then, you know, I'd, I'd like to know why, because I, I don't really understand it. This is, you know, a great sign-in for us. Great value for money on the face of it. There are no downsides. Well, it would be interesting to see how he slots in as well, because... Um Downs is obviously at his age and his athleticism a different player to Joe Allen, um, and I think the carries into the opposition half and stuff like that. Joe Allen's less likely to tend to be up and down and covering centre back and covering all over the pitch like Downs did so often. You can find him anywhere on the pitch, whereas I don't think Joe Allen's at that stage of his career now. So I think in order to complement that. I think Grimes will have to be given a more a freer role and he will have to have the shackles completely taken off this season and so that he can cover the ground and try and move up the pitch and uh, get out of that defensive mid-mindset because you and I know, Joe Allen or not, when you play three midfielders and all of them are defensive, it's a horror show to watch the Swans, isn't it? You really it's need, just boring. You, you really need the... the I mean, and when we had Flynn Downs, Matt Grimes and Corey Smith, it was just... It was painful. So you, you really need someone in midfield there. We were looking at Olivier and Cham tonight, for example, a player there who's going to move the ball up and uh, we'll see what happens, how he fits into the team. Yeah, um, the other good thing with Joe Allen is, of course, I know, I know you said with Grimes before, you feel like he can be quite safe, doesn't yeah. play like the daring pass, but like Joe Allen can do that on occasions, and that's done it. I mean, I always look at the, do you remember the Russia game at Euro 2016, possibly one of the great Wales performances, mm. and it was started by this ridiculous pass from Joe Allen to put Ramsey through on goal, yeah. who then chips the keeper. So, you know, there is that from Joe Allen as well. I think he, he does have that ability if there's... If the space opens up and he spots a gap, he can play that type of pass. So I think that's really good for us as well. And obviously, we, we know defensively and everything. He's gonna, yeah. You can give him the ball under any situation. you always back him to, to not give it away, really. So I think that's the, the good thing with it. Because I think Grimes can certainly learn from him in terms of the more progressive and ambitious ball at times. Because he can be a little bit safe on occasions. Yeah, certainly. You know, he's not... Ready yet, Alan? He's obviously got to do a bit of fitness work with the team and hopefully getting ready for near enough the start of the season, which is coming on ever closer now as we as we speak. Um, but uh, at the moment, he's not he's not featuring in the squad, so that will be pushed towards closer towards the start of the season, I'm sure. Um, he joins uh, Wood, Darling, and Sarinola in the first team picture that are joined to the Swans, uh, including. I put 17 under 16 goalkeepers again or something <laughs> like that in it. But we keep sending. It's what we do. Well, we keep sending goalkeepers all the time. 
Um, there are other stories linking players. We've got other players linking in, which we'll touch on in a minute. Um, the one I want to go to now, though, Steve, is a story that appeared in the Daily Mail, that fantastic rag of a paper, that um, Joe Swansea have done hard by Joel Pirot because uh, we are demanding £20 million for the Dutch striker who's in his infancy of his career, early 20s, just bagged 24 goals last season, and apparently we're the bad guys, so wanting to not sell him on the cheap. And especially after you were just saying in the last piece about how the Downs money has given us the breathing space to be able to say, no, 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 no. Now, if you want Perot, you're going to have to give us something that we can't turn down. And, and, and that puts us in that position, but only with a small club, a minnow club, as, 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 as a national would see us, would you get almost like bullied into that kind of submission of, oh, you have to leave him go. You have to, you know, do something because a bigger club wants him. Well, in fact, the Swans have got to be compensated fairly. It was a nonsense article, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's our player. It's up to us to decide what we want to sell him for. And, you know, at the end of the day, Perot was superb last season, wasn't he? You won't find anyone that's going to disagree with that, surely. I mean, look at the goals he scored and how many he scored. He was never given that many chances. But every time you get a chance, you'd be looking at him thinking, well, this is probably going in, yeah? And quite often it did. So, yeah, I mean, Perot will, will only get better. I, I look at someone like Perot and I, I honestly think if he's in a team that creates more chances, he can mm. get 30-odd mm. because he is that good. So why would we sell him cheap? I mean, I know the market has changed since COVID and obviously we sold McBurney for 20 million. What was that, three years ago? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying now that it's as easy to get that type of fee. But what I am saying is that I'd much rather give that for Perot than for McBurney. And oh, that's yeah, not with the hindsight of like the last three years where obviously McBurney hasn't you know, set the world alight or anything like that, has he? But I always just sense that Perot can really be an established top flight player mm. in a way that I didn't think McBurney could. So, you know, I, I, I think if someone bought Perot for 20 million, they would get good value out of him ultimately because he's a quality player. So... Yeah, I'm glad we, we hopefully are taking that stance of not selling on the cheap, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. It, it seemed like a nonsense article, didn't it, as you say, really? Yeah, um won't be the last of the rumours and the stories that are linking uh, Piro away this summer, but um, hopefully they end up as ridiculous as that, because until someone tables an offer that we can uh, realistically say, well, do you know what? Because ultimately, we did sign him for a million pounds but that isn't some a reason to sell him cheap because we took the risk uh, on bringing him in when he didn't necessarily have um, a great start to his career out in Holland and um, he was one that you would just label potential without having the, the, the evidence to back it up perhaps and he's come here and I think he said in an interview a few months ago uh, when he was asked about his goal scoring feet whether he expected it he said yeah I just knew I needed someone to believe in me and give me the games and give me the confidence and give me the shirt to go out and play every week. And I knew I'd score. And he, you know, he's proven that. And he's at such a young age as well, as you say. His ceiling is huge. Um, and if we sell him, we sell him because the value, the, the, the offers met the value of the player. And if we don't sell him, Steve, well, the prospect of Perot and Oberfermi next season, after the second half of the season that Oberfermi had, by the way, is, is something to get the most water in the Swans prospects this, this season, isn't right. it? As you say, between them, there's probably about 35 goals. Yeah. And obviously, I know Oberfem only played half a season, so I mean, you've got to be looking at 40-plus between those two if they stay and they both stay fit. So, you know, I mean, the way to look at that is 
how many teams in this division would probably like to have either of those two if they're both playing well. We've got both. And that would indicate to me that even with, like, I think we have improved defensively because Darling has come in, for example. Mm. We think a right wing back will come in at some point, I would have thought. But even then, you're almost thinking you can get away with maybe not being the stingiest at the back because you can probably score your way out of it. So, you know, obviously we definitely need to improve at the back. If we're, we're like we were last year, we, we wouldn't have a chance of, you know, being towards the top of the division or pushing playoffs or anything like that. But going forward, we don't need a huge amount, do we? I think we, you know, the, the makings of a, a good start in 11 is there. Maybe the odd squad player could come in that would, that would help with competition for places and stuff. But as you say, I mean, between Oberfemi, who was brilliant in the second half of last season, and Perot, who obviously was our player of the year, there's a lot of goals in this team, potentially, if we get it right, isn't it? You've got Patterson with his new deal. That cloud has left now. He's, he's, got, he's yeah. happy with his new deal. You've got Cham, who Russell Martin was telling us all last season, he needs a full pre-season behind him, which he's getting now. You know, we, we want, I've no doubt we haven't seen the best of Cham. We've just seen tiny glimpses of what he can do. Um, and he's only like mid twenties himself, so it's not as if he's you know nearing the end of his career and thinking about pick. I no. do think if someone could get the best out of him, he could be one of the best players in the division. But if is obviously the biggest word. I mean, we are talking about a player that it's going to be Celtic, him, isn't it? And I think Porto wanted to buy him for about twelve million mm. a few years back. I mean, they, that's a lot of money. Mm. Celtic probably gutted in the end. They didn't take it obviously because he's ended up going on free, isn't he? But it just shows you if you can get him firing. There's, there's got to be a player in there somewhere, so oh, yeah. you know, that's the big challenge for the manager. And as I say, his fitness can be a problem at times. Came in late last season, which probably didn't help. But yeah, I think Uncham is somebody that you know, if we could really work and get him firing, he could, would be a, a seriously talented player for us. So yeah, that like I said, that's the challenge for the manager. Really, can he get the best out of him consistently? Yeah, and uh, we'll wait and see. But as you say, the makings of a good squad are there, and I think. People are looking at us, and we're looking at us as well as Swans fans, and thinking we're probably two starters away from having a team that you could say, well, if we can pick this team more weeks than more often than not, then there's no reason why we shouldn't be challenging around the top top eight, if you say, you know, come, you know, around that area of of the of the league, rather than finishing fifteenth like we did this season. Um, there's you know a couple of players short. We talk about them. We talk about the players that we're looking to bring in now. Um, the latest one is Marcus Harness. I would say he's the latest one. He's the he's the one that looks like that it might happen the soonest now. Um, this one again has been bubbling on for a couple of months, Steve, um, from Portsmouth. And this one seems to be tied up with a little bit of a swap deal going on. There's a lot of talk about them wanting players in exchange, or we wanting to offload players in exchange uh, to to help push the transfer through. Um, some of the fringe players have been mentioned, uh, Morgan Whittaker, Jordan Garrick, uh, Kyle Joseph. Um, of the three, if we were sending two that way, I'd rather um, Kyle Joseph uh, stay. And um, just to update you, by the way, Plymouth had just equalised on the uh, on the pre-season game um, with a couple of minutes left. Uh, but yes, um, the Whittaker, Garrick, Joseph, Conundrum, those are the three that seem to be linked Kyle Joseph is the one that is in the squad and was playing today, or is playing rather, he's come off the bench. So it looks like perhaps he may be the one, if there is one that's going to stay, he might be the one that's still in the manager's plans. He did feature a little bit last season. He's very much on the fringe of the team, on the bench a lot. And I've always kind of liked him without ever really being able to pinpoint why. He just seemed like a sort of player that would be useful to have around. 
bring off the bench, chase tired defenders down. He seemed to want to, you know, he was happy to run his legs into the ground, you know, and, and, and chase lost causes. So always a fan of that. But um, what I are your opinion on that transfer structure then, if, if, if that was to come to fruition? Well, I think, if I'm honest, I think a couple of them have been a little bit hard done by and haven't had much of a chance. Like, I think Garrick did show glimpses previously of being a decent player, but it's obvious that Martin doesn't fancy him. I think Whitaker, to be honest, like it's ironic we're playing Plymouth right now, and obviously we played them, didn't we, in the League Cup last year. Mm. Whitaker scored a hat-trick, and then the next league game at Preston didn't get off the bench, and you're thinking, this is a bit harsher, especially because Cullen had started, and for me, he hadn't set the world alight at all. So I think the truth is both of those players are just not fancied by the manager, and they're both not particularly young now in terms of talking about potential. So if that is the case, then realistically we need to try and ship them out. So that would make sense, really, from my point of view. I think Joseph, as you say, it's not somebody I would get rid of at this stage. Um, I think him moving out on loan, though, wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily because he's not first choice. I don't think he's going to see a great deal of football at the moment. So, you know, if it was a case of sending him on loan to Portsmouth... That wouldn't be a bad move necessarily, but obviously they're not all going to go there, are they? So no. let's just wait and see. Really, I mean, Whitaker and uh, Garrick was at Plymouth last year, wasn't he? I think he did quite a good job. Whitaker at Lincoln was a bit more hit and miss, so you don't know, do you? But like I say, I think the manager certainly when it comes to Whitaker and Garrick, possibly no, Cullen, yeah. one or two others. I think he's made his mind up, hasn't he? He's, he doesn't see them as part of the plans. So if they're not seen as part of the plans, the best thing to do is to try and ship them out. As um, as a team so low on wing cover and wing players at the moment, um, the fact that Carl Joseph spent a, spent a stint at Cheltenham playing on the wing as well, um, or wing back if you like, um, might play into his favour as a squad player because I don't know what will happen between now and the transfer window closing, but I don't think we're going to end up bringing four or five wingers. So I think realistically we're going to have two starters and utility players, the likes of Latabaudier who can cover there, Ryan Manning of course he can go there, and also we haven't touched upon the potential change in formation which we've seen in the preseason game so far, where he's gone for four at the back, which changes everything of course because in our old formation, the the one that Steve Cooper brought in, the wing back was the most demanding role on the pitch. By far, you're asking this player to cover the full length of the pitch without support all game. And it's just an impossible task. And it was so demanding physically um, that going into a four with, with wingers ahead of them changes everything then. You've got the cover. You can ask your full-backs to just concentrate on defending. And that'll cut out a lot of the goals that we were conceding last season where we were constantly caught out of position, constantly chasing shadows. Um and getting hit on the break time and time again. So it's interesting to see what Russell Martin thinks of that and how that plays out when the season begins. Um, other players we linked with Steve, uh, Finn Stevens, the youngster from Brentford, he's Welsh. Um, that one's been doing the rounds in the newspapers as well. Uh, again, defender, any thoughts? Um, the truth is that the players that we've been linked with are not going to you know, make out like I'm some sort of an expert. Mm. The fact is I don't know a great deal about them. So... The, the thing that I would say is we need somebody as a right wing back, don't we? And yeah. I think that might be the key reason why we have been playing for the back. That I think once one has been brought in, it'll be interesting to see what we do then because you do feel like Latibaudier, Norton, as a right back, it's not so bad. You can cope with it. 
but obviously neither is the best at, at getting forward. So it makes sense then to play a flat back four, I would say. But if he wants to play wing backs, gonna have to bring someone in. So you know, um, I think that that feels like the priority now from my point of view is that a player in that position, a starting player. So you know, if the ones that are linked with, then if one of them comes in, then hopefully they'll be uh, up to doing the job. Obviously, it looks like Cyrus Christie definitely isn't going to come in, doesn't it? So I think he's priced himself out by the sounds of things. Yeah, his wage demands. But we knew when he joined uh, in January that he's, he obviously had um, he had a Fulham contract, and he? he had a Fulham contract, and he took a, a, a cut and then you know a real uh, a real field cut on his contract to come down here, according to Russell Martin, and and that was you know played in his favour. Um, but he gets the benefit now of talking himself about as a free agent um, and, and see if he can get a better deal for himself. So so good luck to him in that uh, venture. Another one is Ogben from Rotherham. And this one is probably the one I expect to happen now that Flynn Downs has been sold, Stephen. We were talking before we started recording about players and having plan A, B and C and um, and perhaps the reason why we haven't suddenly... Uh, spent the money that we've got set aside from the Downs transfer. I know a lot of it's got to go and plug a black hole, but the little bit we've got to set aside then, where we haven't suddenly brought players in. And I was saying before that I think that whereas we were going to bring in a free transfer or a loan signing to cover these positions, now we go, right, okay, we've actually got, you know, um, one and a half million to spend or something like that. Then we're going to go, right, okay, we're actually going to go for an improved calibre of player for that position now. And, and this is where Plan A, B, and C came into fruition. Russell Martin talked about it himself. He's got plans for every budget, and he needs to know what he's going to get and who he's going to have to sell to know who he's going to bring in. So, um, Ogben, he's someone that we've been linked with for quite some time now. He has spoken himself about being flattered with the links to the Swansea and said, you know, it'd be an honour to join us. So, there's movement there. There's clearly interest on both sides. Is this just a case of hammering out a deal with that, that everyone's happy with? Potentially. I mean, I think the thing we need to know is, like we've named them, we Harness, Stevens and Ogben. Who is plan A, who's plan B and who's plan C? I think mm. that's the interesting thing of it. The fact, I would say it, it feels like today, maybe that Harness might be the plan A because that's the one that's now strongly linked in the papers. But we, we, we don't know, do we? But, you know, we, we need to do something is what I would say, don't we? Quite urgently, I would say. Certainly, you know, in the next week or so, ideally, before the, the season starts. So... You know, that's what we're looking at. And I think, you know, it, all of them seem to fit the bill. So we just have to hope that uh, we pick the right one, really, don't we? And, and you know, we've, like I said, we've got to try and do things as quick as possible now because you don't want to be bringing people in on the eve of the new season. It would be nice if they had a bit of time to settle in first, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, the season starting before the transfer window closes is the bugbear of... Football players, managers and supporters are like, I think that's one thing they all agree on, is this is ludicrous, and it's always going to be ludicrous, that take Joel Perot, for example. Now, clubs at the moment might be sitting back going, I'm not paying £20 million, he's only done it for one season, he could be a flop this year. Although if his goal tonight's ending to go by, that proves a lot. But um, his uh, he could he could score five goals in August. Because we've got the full fiction. Well, it's about seven games, I think, before the window shuts, and it's a lot. So you can imagine, you know, if he has a good start, he, he's he's nervous to getting doubles as well in games where he's, he's he's been on fire. And with the firepower we got up there, he's more than capable of getting a couple of goals. Because um, Albert Femi provides a perfect foil for him. 
Um, and with that, you could end up with a situation which is exactly what we discussed earlier that you don't want. Going into transfer deadline day, someone's desperate for a striker and they go, right, he scored 24 goals last season. We didn't want to take a punt. But now, he's already bagged five and seven. Yeah. Do, are we going to accept now that this 22-year-old is the real deal and we're going to give Swansea 15 million for him? Um, which, don't get me wrong, is... is is when you look at the one million pound purchase, is a great outlay, a great return for the Swans, probably worth more. But then, do we then panic because we still got that little bit of debt over our heads and say we'll sell him for fifty million pounds and leave a paro-shaped hole in the squad as the transfer window closes? The other problem then, of course, is if that happens, the player's head can get turned, and then you're in trouble as well. In that sense, aren't you? So, yeah. so it's hard. I think. I think if we're all being realistic, I'm sure every football fan would like it if the window shut before the season yeah. started. That way, everybody knows where they are. Now, yeah. To be fair to the Premier League and the Championship, they did try that, but the problem was nobody else was willing to come into line. Uh, across European Europe. countries, wasn't Yeah, it? they weren't willing to come into line with it. Now, because of that, you're having problems. So, I think that, they to, had to, to revert it. Elaborate on that, by the way. Um, it meant that Premier League clubs... Were no longer able to go and buy players, but their players' heads were able to be turned by Spanish clubs, Italian clubs, French clubs, who themselves were still able to buy internationally yeah. from British clubs. So that was the problem, and then you wasn't it? And then you couldn't buy replacements well, because you are, you've shut the window exactly. yourself. So exactly, I think that's the thing. You needed everybody to come into line with it. Now, if everyone agreed that the window would shut at the end of July, that would be better for everybody, I yeah. would say. But obviously, that's not going to happen, is it? So I think they did the right thing, reversing it purely for that reason, to safeguard against it. You know, you're losing players late on or anything like that and can't replace them, but it is frustrating, isn't it? And this year, probably more so than ever, because there's yeah. a lot of games before that window shuts. Yeah, well, thank the Qatar World Cup for that. And while we're on the con- the conversation of Europe and European clubs, it ties us nicely into our last talking point of the podcast, and that's uh, Hannes Wolf, who's been talking to German papers about his... Future, he just mentioned. I mean, I think a few people have just taken it a little bit to heart and got a little bit upset over the fact that he said, "No, no, I'm back at uh, Munch and Gladbach, and I'm here to uh, show that you know I can I can do a job and 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 improve and, and prove to people that I'm I'm worthy and and I can you know make my mark." Um, I don't see that as a big <laughs> as 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 a big slant on Swansea, and at the end of the day. He, his new boss, who's just gone in there, has said that everyone is coming in, he's got a clean slate, and he's going to get an opportunity to impress. He'd be a fool in that instance to turn around to him and say, actually, I really want to go back to Swansea, when there's no current prospect of it happening anyway. Can't afford him. So, you know, I think he's doing the right thing, isn't he? He's looking at Hedges uh, and, bets, and thinking to himself, right, well, I, I want to try and impress you, ideally. And, like, I'm not being funny as well, but if he becomes first choice for an established Bundesliga team, I can think of no reason whatsoever why he would then want to drop into the championship in a different country. So we've got to be realistic, and we I think Hannes Wolf was someone who did well for us. If there was an option to bring him back, realistically, I think we'd all be in favour of it. But we've just got to be realistic, and we the fact is, I think he came to us mainly because the previous manager wasn't a massive fan of him. He needed to regain some fitness after an injury and confidence as well. Yeah, and yeah, that has improved too. So. You know, I think he's he's just being honest and looking out for himself, and he, you know, he, he why would he try and you know um, carry favour with us when the chances of him coming back are very slim? I mean, there's no reason why in the future 
you know, if uh, Sinewi were to get back to the Prem and he was mm. available, then you, you never know, there could be a chance that he could come here permanently. But I think, uh, you know, realistically in the short term, um, he's not going to be uh, back in, in South Wales. And, uh, you know, it's as simple as that, really, isn't it? Yeah, that is it, really. I mean, we wish him well. Uh, as do we, we talk about lots of players have gone and linked with going and, and that. And it's always the way, isn't it? You know, it's football, you know, players come and go and stuff like that. So um, I would have liked him back. As you were saying, he, you know, he was a, certainly a player that I, I liked last season. And he offered a lot towards the end of the season in particular. You could see his confidence was there. And I think he was, I think, as he said in the article, in fact, in the interview, he said he, he just came here, he got his confidence back, he got his love for the game back, and he had fun. And I think that's what Russell Martin was saying, you know, in an ideal situation, Hannes Wolf would like to would like to play his trade here. I don't think that's necessarily an untrue comment, but he's not our player. So, so sometimes life doesn't work that way. Um, but yes, that's it for this podcast. Now, there's not really um, a lot else to delve into, but uh, we will do one if there is big news uh, coming up and um, absolutely of course before the start of the season to preview the season or the you know the, the, the game against Rotherham and make sure that we're all up to date on everything and hopefully we'll have a couple of wing backs in and the squad will look nicer it's already stronger for my money but um, just a few bit of gloss on it I think just to make sure that the couple of positions are covered and uh, we can all look forward to hopefully an exciting season. Well, that's it from us now, so uh, join us next time uh, from myself and Steve. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.